I'm Rena Striegel. Welcome to Ag Inspo, the podcast that focuses on innovation and creativity in agriculture. In my travels across the U.S., my mind is blown by the farmers, ranchers, and business owners who are contributing to the richness of the agricultural landscape. My hope is that by sharing their stories, you will be inspired to have the courage to break through and bring an idea you have to life. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Ag Inspo. Today, we're going to be talking to Peter Jaquist, who is involved with a tech startup called Farmland Finder. And it's always really fun for me when we get to talk with someone who's doing something truly innovative and has brought something brand new to the marketplace. So without further ado, let's bring on Peter and let's learn uh, what's happening at Farmland Finder. Peter, it is so great to have you on the podcast with us today. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of weeks, ever since we got this scheduled, just simply because we had such a great conversation when we had coffee a couple of weeks ago, and now I'm really excited to dig into this with you. But why don't we start out by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and just kind of telling them a little bit about what you're up to and a little bit about the company that we're going to talk about today. Oh my goodness. So thanks and totally agree. Been looking forward to this. Um, I always enjoy our conversations and your passion around the egg industry. Uh, so my name is Peter Jaquist. Um, currently, as I'm speaking to you, I'm head of real estate for a tech startup called Farmland Finder. Uh, we're headquartered in Des Moines, Iowa, venture-backed uh, startup. Uh, married with four kids. Uh, I joined the company over a year and a half ago as in this role where I'm overseeing um, the real estate processes for our platform and a lot of compliance issues uh, and some of the product uh, ideation and and design and implementation. Uh, Married four kids. I live by Drake University, if anybody's familiar with the Des Moines market. And um, I've had about 16 years of experience in the investment uh, commercial real estate space, both as a broker, but also an investor. Yeah. Why don't you explain a little bit about what Farmland Finder actually is and sort of give us the little backstory on how that company was started. Cool. So I'll let me start at the beginning. Uh, So it was started, the founder's uh, gentleman named Stephen Broxius. He's a fifth generation dairy farmer out of Northwest Iowa. And uh, his family uh, had a, a pain point at one point here. I think he was a Gosh, I've heard this story so many times, I should remember this off the top of my head. I want to say he was a sophomore at Iowa State. And the, unfortunately, the bank uh, came to his family and just said, hey, uh, got to sell something. And so they had to go through the struggle as a family business uh, to understand how they were going to kind of right the ship of their balance sheet. So they ended up doing a sale lease back and they sold some calves. But in that process, what Stephen realized was there was an enormous gap uh, an enormous deficiency within the farmland space where technology had not been applied yet. So he went to work on that and essentially collected uh, into one space and created Farmland Finder all of the all of all of the real estate data, if you will. So our database consists of um, historic satellite imagery, so we can see crop rotations, topographies, plat maps, uh, ownership, uh, and then you can. You can track your own information as it relates to that ground within that. And so we started off as this software service that focused on that. And then fast forward, that was, um, sorry, so that he pulled the trigger on that three and a half years ago, four years ago, uh, and then a year and a half ago when I joined the team, 
Uh, we had a vision and still do have a vision for a private marketplace where farmers that um, can benefit from a sale of some kind. In this case, as you and I will be talking today, we'll talk about a sale lease back, um, but where they can do this privately and we can use technology to bring, um, knock on wood, hundreds of investors uh, to bear, you know, to help them, uh, you know, help with their liquidity challenge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've obviously, you know, built this tool for farmers. Tell me a little bit about how that's evolved today. Like when you, like, how do farmers utilize Farmland Finder? Good, big question. So we're, we consider ourselves a two-sided marketplace, really. So uh, we were talking about this as leadership here just this week. Our, we are serving the farmers, to be sure, but we also learned that we're serving a very large group of investors as well. Uh, so on the farmer side, if they have... Um, We've narrowed it down to three motivations, it seems like. Uh, we've helped some farmers with succession planning where you know, uh, farmers thinking about retirement could use the capital, the equity that he's got in his land today, but wants to make sure that his, his kid or, or grandkid even uh, can keep farming the ground. And so a sale leaseback helps with that function today. Um, we've had uh, progressive farmers. So uh, couple opportunities even right now on our platform where the farmer's motivation is to purchase another 160 acres that he's been renting for 10 years. The owners offered it to them. So he'll do a sale lease back on the acres that he owns and 1031 exchange into that. And so thereby, you know, more than doubling the size of acres actually that he's farming. Uh, so he can do that with the sale lease back, right? He keeps the land in his operational control. Uh, and the other one is, you know, they're, Every once in a while, the balance sheet gets out of whack. You're up against your credit limit as a farmer. And so the only way you can get that equity out of the land, if you've borrowed as much as the banks want to lend on it, you can do a sale lease back. You keep the land in your operational control, and then you're able to, to write that ship, if you will. So mm -hmm. um, you tell me, how, how in the weeds would you like me to get into this as far as like how they <laughs> interact with us? Because this is it's one of the challenges of, of with the farmers, right? These guys are busy. Um, the gals are busy, right? And, and, and we're a technology company. And it's one of those fun little things where nuances of just going, hey, we're out here. We, we really want to help. Um, we're, we're not arrogant enough to say we're the only solution for you. You know, you have to, you know, this is the best real estate solution ever. I'm a little biased. I think it's a really good one. Uh, but we're technology. And so uh, the idea that, uh, you know, John Smith is checking on his hog confinements and has the, the time and the inclination to, to use our platform, like that little gap there and uh, availability to technology, to the day-to-days of the farming uh, space is one of the things we're trying to fix right now. So. Yeah. So you've got three sort of applications that the farmers might use your technology for, but then you said you have an investor side. So tell me how the investors are using your platform. I think it's pretty obvious, but we'll spell it out just for fun. Yeah, well, so there's a, yeah, no, I appreciate that. What, what's interesting was as we went live with our marketplace, um, the questions our customer success team found themselves answering were really high level, almost elementary farmland investment conversations. It seems like there's this huge gap in knowledge around what, what the value in farmland is and should be. So as a, for instance, uh, a lot of the investors have some kind of experience in, in real estate. 
we get quite a few that will come to the platform and say, oh, I've been investing in residential real estate. I have apartments. I have this. I have that. Everybody's been telling me for as long as I can remember, I should invest in farmland. Uh, but they they don't know where to go to find to find that asset class in a way that they can understand it and be confident in how to invest in it. So as we as we work with farmers that have those motivations I mentioned before, we kind of we're all we always kind of have our investor hat on to kind of help prepare them from an expectation standpoint. Like here's how we're thinking about value. Here's how we're thinking about returns. Um, here's what we're seeing for returns. And we're we're in a uh, a nine state area right now as we're talking. So bringing all the data to bear in those nine states. So we give the farmer confident that they're getting a fair shake on the value. And then conversely, turning around to the investor and, and then helping them understand the risk profile, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're savvy in, part, in apartments and an apartment goes vacant, you put it on Facebook Marketplace, you put it for rent sign up, you can hear the investor's head explode when you when they ask the question uh how worst case scenario the farmer says i'm not i i I can't rent it anymore what have you like this is their fear yeah and you say (laughs) it's not going to be a problem finding another farmer to rent your land and they they don't get it right Mm -hmm. so so we start we have to bring this level of education and expertise you know to the investor to give them confidence like no it's okay there's lots of farmers that want to keep growing you'll you'll find renters you know, and then getting into the soil qualities, you know, um, husbandry, soil fertility. So we take, we've got all that data available and then try to kind of educate them big terms, uh, how to structure a lease with the farmer to make sure that they're protected as the investor, things like that. So, mm-hmm. And then, so as an investor interacts with our platform, all that information is available in one stop for them. Yeah. So so tell me some of the biggest uh, successes that you've had. I mean, being a startup is just such an exciting and somewhat heartbreaking journey, right? Because you get those big wins oh, yeah. and you you get those those days where you're like, they understand and you're so excited. And then you also have those days where it's like, nobody gets us, nobody wants us. <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, yeah. So so, so let's let's talk about some of the the successes that you you've experienced in the last few years in terms of, you know, whatever it's been, what, what have been some of the, the awesome ones? Well, okay. So the interactions that I get to have, uh, when I, when I get to have them with the investors, my, my favorite one is when you're on the phone with an investor that has been trying to invest in farmland. And I'm not sure we'll let trying be a part of our imagination, but they've, they've known they need to invest in farmland and they've been trying to do that. They don't know how to do that. And they get on our platform. And as I'm teaching them how to, or my customer success managers working with them on how to interact with our system, how to make an offer to the farmer, how to ask a question, um, how to understand this information that we were just talking about. And the first time, so we'll, every investor that goes through our platform will work with a person on our team to understand how to do that. Mm-hmm. And f- my favorite part is when you're going through this and if they, and they go, I had this happen last week. He goes, Peter, this doesn't suck. And I'm like, I'm like tell, tell me more about that. And he goes, it doesn't suck. He's like, I, it's, there's financial analysis. There's soil analysis. There's, there's crop history. There's, you know, this breakdown of, okay, here's what the farmer's experiencing from a productivity standpoint. I can have comfort in knowing that the rent 
that we're trying to work through here right now is, is um, economically sustainable for that farmer. Those are moments when, that we call bell ringers for sure. We're like, okay, we're on the right vein. And, and those conversations happen a lot. Um, on the farmer side, uh, answering the question for them with certainty that even though they have to, even though they have to sell, which the idea of selling the farm, right? That's a colloquialism, right? That is a, and it, it's a painful one at that. Um, but the fact that as we work with them, they're, they're still maintaining the farm. They still have that control of the farm. This isn't, you're not reducing your operation. This isn't the end. Um, and, and even coaching them through how to structure a real estate deal for themselves that works for them. They'll come to me and they'll say, well, can I do this? Can I do that? You own the land. Would you like to do that? Well, yeah. Okay. Let's talk through what that looks like. What, what's important to you? You want to rent it for 10 years? Do you want to rent it for 15 years? Two years. What, what's your motivation? What's your strategy? Where is that? And we get to work with them before it's ever, you know, even on the marketplace. We've had that chance to walk through this real estate process and hopefully elevate their own personal understanding and expertise and how they can control their destiny. And so having said that, probably my favorite story to date that we've been a part of uh, was a farmer, slightly different motivation. It was a farm for sale near him at auction. Mm -hmm. um, in this instance, he didn't, um, he didn't have uh, the balance sheet to go to auction and bid on it. Calls us up, says, hey, you got an investor. We're like, well, when's the auction at? And he goes, it's like in three days. Oh, okay. Um, we are a technology company, but we're not quite to that instant stage yet in the, in the operation. I'm like, well, that's a short notice. We'll see what can happen. Three days tick off. We had a couple of people we were talking to that might have an interest, but nothing got traction. Monday, he calls and says, well, I got the bid. What do you mean you got the bid? He goes, well, I got the bid. I, I bought, the, for lack of a better term, he bought the farm, wrote his check to the auctioneer for his earnest money, which was a big number. And, and he says, all right, uh, now what? And I'm going, oh my gosh, this guy's got courage. Uh, so anyway, 20, the short version of that is we ended up connecting him to investor and 27 days later, um, he assigned the contract and they closed on it and he added another hundred acres to his operation at a rate, you know, rent rate that was fair, worked for him. Uh, and then the really cool part about that was long-term, he wanted to own the land. And so as part of that conversation, we, we had pre-negotiated uh, a way for him to own it if financially that became uh, you know, available to him. And uh, just about a year later, calls me up and he goes, what do I do to buy this thing? Um, it's been a good year. I can do this. They bought it. Went to the investor. The benefit to the investor was the, the offtake price there for the land guaranteed a return to them. So they knew full cycle if the farmer did this, that they were in a positive and uh, you know, all the data is available to both of them. So they're both very comfortable with the deal and it worked out. So that's probably one of my favorites. And then uh, the, the postscript to that story is the investor enjoyed the process so much they went out and did it again on our platform and bought another farm. So we had a repeat customer out of it. Nice. So it sounds like your role is, you know, yes, you're a technology company and you've got the listing service and all of that 
collection of all these various pieces of data. And it sounds like you're getting that from listing services, maybe USDA. It sounds like you're getting, like bringing data together from many, many sources to get CSRs and crop production. So yep, you got it. So your role as staff then in terms of your involvement in these, it sounds like it's not really helping to negotiate the deals so much as it is coaching the players how to play nicely together. That, your, yeah, uh, option B is exactly where we fit into that equation. So. so talk, yeah, talk a little bit about just your role, because it sounds like you're talking to the investor, you're talking to the farmers, but you're not necessarily writing the transaction. Is is, is that what I'm understanding? Oh, uh, no, it's a great question. We we do. Okay. So as as a as a so the way we keep our lights on, if you will, is um, the investors on our platform when they when they purchase one of these farms through us, they'll pay us a, a fee. Uh, and it's at it's at closing, just like a, a traditional real estate transaction. So that's where my uh, real estate experience, licensure in nine states, and the compliance kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. So the fees there, we are we operate as um, depending on the state. There's different languages around it, but in Iowa, where we're headquartered, they call it a dual agency. Uh, in other states, they call it transactional agency. And so from a from a posture standpoint. Um, we set every, the, to the best we can, we set up everybody for success and just saying, hey, we're provide just so you know, we're providing all the data to everybody all the time. So as part of our conversation with the farmers and, and with the investors, you know, the data team um, will actually work with uh, appraisers from time to time as well. And so to, to determine, you know, market value, uh, we'll go out and find comparable sales uh, appraisers give that a blessing and be like, yeah, those are, those are comparables. Um, and that helps give you these metrics, right? And mm-hmm. we share that with the farmer, right? That's important to the farmer as well as it is to the investor. Uh, and, and then we can show the historical data to the investors, which is nice because um, they need to know that it's going to appreciate, you know, over yeah. time as well. That's, that's a big part of the farmland value thesis long-term is that it just continues to appreciate. Yeah, so the cool thing, and I think something that's maybe just a little bit different than what you think about when you're thinking about regular real estate transaction is that the buyer is paying the fee, not the seller. Right. We, you know, we we probably could ask the farmers, you know, and, and treat this like a, a listing platform, if you will, like a private listing platform. And we just from a culture standpoint. Um, we understand, you know, Stephen comes out of farming. I, I've learned this very quickly as I've gotten to know and become friends with uh, a lot of farmers. Everybody's, everybody's asking these guys and gals for money all the time. Um, and when you talk to them about painful economic experiences in particular, it's, the, it's doing business with people where they shake hands and they're typically people of their word. And somebody sneaks a cost in there, or sneaks a you know fee in there, and we're just like yeah. we're not we're not doing that, you know. And, and on top of that, what was interesting when you compare farmland market, the farmland market at large with other markets like uh, residential, multifamily, commercial, uh, the farmland space has um, our data was showing probably better than fifty percent of the time, maybe fifty to sixty percent of the time. There's a buyer premium that's paid, like if it sells at auction. Mm-hmm. So as an industry, uh, that was a practice that's already there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, 
So we weren't from uh, who we're charging the you know fee to and how we're trying to keep our lights on. It wasn't uh, wasn't anything new. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a, that I would see that as a reduction of barrier to entry, right? If farmers can see, I can go to this platform. There's no risk to me. I get to like the deal. I'm not going to pay, especially if, if they're someone that needs to sell some of their land to reduce, you know, some of their debt. The right. last thing you want to do is lose some of that revenue by paying fees. So I can see yep. where that would be really attractive to farmers is that, you know, they can go into those relationships, have full control of the outcome of it, and yet not have to worry about losing some of that precious revenue getting into that relationship. You got it. You got it. So, and there's, you know, there's other dynamics to the transaction that we have to work through. Um, you know, investors, I'll, I'll share this too. It'd, it'd be interesting to see what kind of feedback we get from the podcast world in this conversation, but the, uh, what you'll see in the farmland investment space is typically if if a farmer who needs to sell comes to the table and their goal is to sell it at or above what their neighbor just sold at auction, right? Let's say the we could pick on um, you know Northwest Iowa where we see auctions in the fifteen thousand acre, yeah. eighteen thousand acre. I've, I've sat with a farmer not so long ago that neighboring farm went for sale and he bought an eighty for twenty thousand acre. Yeah. And, and you go, oh my goodness. So if that, if that's setting the expectation for value for you, um, we have yet to see an investor be able to justify that kind of a price because, and this is the farmer's got the control on this because they're, you know, the investor needs a return. And so um, it's directly correlated with the rent mm-hmm. right, per acre. So that's what we got to work with on the farmer as well. And just go, okay, if you think you can sustain this rent, uh, over the term of the lease, that would equate to this type of return. How's that, you know, how does that mm-hmm. work for you? You know, can I buy it back? Do you want to do that? Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. You know, like have those conversations. So it's an interesting market in that sense, right? You got to work through expectations a little bit and yeah, you're not going to set any records, but you're uh, from a price standpoint, but you won't be taken advantage of either. You'll, it's a very transparent process. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of us that wish those records weren't being broken all the time. <laughs> you know, just... I, yeah, I, I was in an auction uh, actually yesterday morning up in Northwest Iowa. And a couple of folks told me, yeah, I think it'll go about 13, 13 an acre and it went for 15. And you just go, Oof. had to have it. Yeah. So I, 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 I want to ask, do you have any investors in your portfolio that are farmers? You know, because there's a lot of farmers that love to buy farmland as sort of their hobby projects, right? So do you have some farmers that are investors helping other farmers? We do. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think, as you're saying that, I'm trying to think if we've done any transactions with them. They, they can be some of the toughest investors to work with, to be, <laughs> say that. I say that very affectionately. Uh, but uh, we do. I know that we do. Actually, I was uh, talking with one last week. So, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. Would, that's, we would like to see more of those. Anybody that's listening. <laughs> yeah, I because I, I, you know, you hear that all the time. You know, the the guys that are the, the farmers that are at auction that are trying to outbid each other and, you know, to get that farm, because that's just sort of what they're doing now at that stage in their career, which is 
a great hobby to have if that's the kind of money you've got to play with. It's cool. That's right. So it is, but what a neat opportunity. I'm sure yeah. it worked decades and decades and decades to get. Yeah, hundred percent. So what if what if you are a farmer that wants to expand and they just need investors? So you don't necessarily have land you want to put into the Farmland Finder program, but you're just looking to hook up with an investor who can kind of be your partner to go to some of these auctions. Do you have people using your platform that way? Farmers trying to find investors to help them with acquisition? We don't have a good solution for that yet. But as you and I say that out loud, there that is definitely a pain point um, and an opportunity to serve farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, we have made a couple of introductions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I say, yeah, hopefully this doesn't make me sound greedy. We we don't know how to monetize that mm-hmm. introduction process yet. Yeah. And so we've just fo- focused on what we know how to do, which is the real estate transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there's been a few introductions. It's just not necessarily part of our business model today as you and I are talking. So yeah, yeah. We had a North North Central Iowa actually had a farmer call me and um, we have some investors that are very keen. Uh, hopefully this makes a few folks listening. They're, um, they're very keen in the words uh, regenerative, mm-hmm. right? And, and it was, I'm, I'm not a farming expert. I'm, you know, my understanding is probably 30, maybe, maybe 20,000 foot level of farming and ag specifically in Iowa. And they started talking about regenerative and I asked a few, what I felt were intelligent questions. They didn't know how to answer it. And I said, well, let's just get you plugged in with a farmer that has expressed to me that they like the idea of regenerative mm-hmm. and, and then let them kind of learn from each other. So we've made those types of introductions before. Nice. So what have been, you know, in this journey as a you know relatively new company, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome just to get people to understand what it is you're trying to do? Wow. Uh, I think the, one of the biggest challenges right now is just that, that idea of selling the farm. The fact that we're another platform out there and the, and the farmers are like, I would say sometimes a bit apprehensive when they find out about us or somebody suggests to them, hey, you should call these guys. Uh, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to talk about. Very emotional thing to talk about selling the farm. Um, and sometimes they'll ask questions like, or even say something to me or the, the team, like, well, convince me that this is the best thing for me to do. I can't. All I can tell you is what we've seen successes around. And if that, mm-hmm. that story sounds like something that's interesting to you, then, then we need to talk about it. Uh, you know, if operational control of the farm is important to you and you want to grow, uh, or it, and at worst, don't want to reduce your farming footprint, uh, then we have something to talk about and we'll see if we can't structure something that works best for everybody. So I would say that's a barren entry. Uh, it, it is amazing on the investor side. It's been amazing to me how many people know they need to own farmland as an investment and have not been able to find the resources to give them the confidence to do it yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, it's so many people that want to do this or thinking about doing this, gearing up to do this. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some platforms out there that are uh, providing investment opportunities, you know, through fractional ownership type stuff. They're, you know, they're, they're fixing a pain point there from a, maybe an affordability standpoint, right? And that's important to note too, I guess, as we're talking as a platform, we are, if you purchase a farm through our platform, you, you own the farm. Fee simple interest title, you get to go through all of that. Yep. 
that real estate process. So this is uh, a whole farm opportunity for the investors, but misconception. Yeah. So, so you're talking a lot about that, that lease back, you know, do you have farmers that just want to sell it out flat and they want to just put it on your platform, sell it, don't want to lease it back. They just want it to go to market. I, I really appreciate it. So you asked about the pain point or like the biggest challenge. So when we went live, we would let folks that just want to sell the farm uh, on the platform. And one of the things we realized very quickly um, was we had a lot of folks that I think were hoping that this little technology company would somehow get $10,000 an acre for their $6,000 an acre farm. Mm. And rather than as we're, as we're still figuring out the nuance and how to really serve farmers, investors with technology, rather than try to, to build the technology to convince them that the price is lower, like that. So that, that was one of the, that's, that is one of the reasons we focused on sale leasebacks, right? We all had both from an investor hat and a farmer hat. We all have the proper motivations to kind of work right. through those, those economics. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely not an online auctioning site, right? Like no. <laughs> place your farm and open up for bid. Yeah. Not an auction site. <laughs> no, those are out there. If you need to do that, go ahead and go ahead and do that. But that's not farmland finder. Not today. So you said you were in six states. Can you rattle them off for me? Nine states. Nine states. Sorry. And nine states. Flat, Which ones are you in? It's almost 10. Uh, North, South Dakota, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and the 10th one will be Louisiana. Okay, good. So primarily Midwest with the addition yep. of Louisiana. You got it. Yep. So focused on row crop, pasture, uh, some timber. Um, we have, we have, we do have quite, we have, we have people asking us about like CRP contracts and things like that from an investor standpoint, which mm -hmm. is interesting. Um, so we have a little bit of that. I wouldn't call that a focus, but you know, we're aware of that. And everything that we work towards is, is this investor, investable quality, mm -hmm. you know, farmland. Yeah. So, you know, tech, right? We never can stay static in tech. No. So what's on the horizon for you guys? What, what's, what can you tell us about where you're going next? Holy buckets. Um, I think next for us, one of the big wins from a processes standpoint will, will be, um, so today, I'll start with where we're today and where we see the improvement coming and we're working on it today. If an offer gets made to a farmer through our platform and they accept it, it's uh, the, it's not a, it's not that moment is not what we would consider a contractual obligation. Uh, it's more like a, a term sheet or like a letter of intent. And so then we help them uh, bring to bear on the whole process. Then outside of that offer and acceptance, you know, the, the title, the abstract, you know, their attorney, typically investors will have some legal counsel as well to help dot I's and cross T's. And so our team will just help them navigate that very traditional real estate process outside of that. I think the next big win is our platform will start bolting on processes to help that mm -hmm. and keep that process uh, transparent. And we'll keep adding states. Um, you know, right now we're all in row crop. So I think in the near future, you'll see uh, states that are on our platform that are perm crop, uh, perm crop states, mm -hmm. uh, and things like that as well. So okay. trying to create more opportunity for everybody that we get to help. 
Yeah. So it sounds like there is quite a bit of, you know, although it's a tech company where, you know, you're using technology to put people together, it sounds like you also provide a tremendous amount of support in terms of your staff supporting and educating these transactions. So it's not like you just put people together and then say, run off and do the deal. You're actually facilitating and helping make sure everything is done correctly to get to the end spot, which is that transaction completed and in play. Money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Very, so, very service oriented. We want, yeah. um, you know, far, far, and you'll hear this in the farmland space all the time, right? Oh, my area, farmland only, you know, farmland only trades once every hundred years. As we work with investors and farmers, and we, I think we start doing this better and better, we'll be able to improve liquidity for farmers as well, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, it's it's not a liquid asset. We know that like it's about real estate, but as these systems improve, uh, it'll give more opportunities to farmers to kind of have this as almost an alternative financing mm-hmm. aspect. And so they can make moves with that and, and financial moves, big ones, hopefully mm-hmm. with their land. So as that gets more efficient, we'll start to see those land, the lands uh, maybe trade a little bit more as markets move. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll keep building our technology to help with that. Yeah. So a little bit ago, you gave us the example of the, the gentleman that went to auction one didn't have the investor in place and you guys kind of like pulled a major lucky draw, right? To get that that put together for it. Yeah. So what, what would this normally take? Cause we don't necessarily want to encourage everybody to run off, put earnest money down, call Peter and say, I need an investor now. Yeah. I need so, an investor stat. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm glad you asked We don't the want this to be way. investor ER, right? Yep. So, so tell me what would a normal transaction look like? Like if, if, if there really was a, an auction coming up that you were seriously wanting to go into that, you were willing to put up your land kind of as the collateral for that, like talk about what a comfortable timeline would be. Cause we don't want people to see your company as the, you know, savior. Of yeah. The, like the I'm in trouble. Hurry up and help me. Like we want yeah. people like, so tell us what that normal transaction would look like from a timeline perspective. Very good. Clarifying question. Uh, normal transaction uh, timeframes proud from the time that we start talking to them to when uh, to expect offers and then close right now is probably 75 days mm-hmm. front to back. Right. So it takes a couple of weeks for us to, have conversations around the value, make sure that we're even a good fit for each other. Um, and that fit is just matching farmers' expectations and strategy for what they're working through to what we we believe to be true about the investors that we are working with and are active on the platform. That matches up. It, it just takes some time, right? Real estate uh, right now, as we're talking, is not an instantaneous uh, proposition, right? There's very few people that are doing it full-time. So you're kind of at their whim, mm-hmm. if you will, is what we're finding. The smaller, the smaller transaction sizes are a lot easier to move more quickly. You get into the million, two million, three million, you know, and above uh, farmland space, right? There's um, a confidence level that you have to meet with the investors to make that happen. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to say 75 is typical. We've we've had farms come on our platform where we've talked about value and um, they didn't they didn't trade. 
like we just didn't have an investor that uh, wanted that farm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we have we have some investors that it has to be square, rectangle. I have to be I have to be able to stand on one corner and see the other corner, right? Like that. And then we have others that just trust the fact the farmer is going to be there uh, forever and ever. Amen. And I'm going to buy it. And you know, maybe they buy it back, maybe they don't, but we'll just own it for the next 30, 40 years, and and they're comfortable with that. So. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm adding some details around that question. But no, no, that's great because you know I think that that's one thing that there's a lot of um, misunderstandings about because definitely the media is not helping the perception of people who want to invest in farmland. They you know they look very predatory if you look at what is being portrayed in the media. Um, it looks like the the investors are coming in, taking control away from the farmers, taking resources away from farmers taking land opportunities away from farmers. And with your platform, what you're actually trying to do is put people into scenarios that can actually help the farmers. That would be our goal. And our thesis, I think at the core of that, if it's not good long-term for the farmer, it's probably not good long-term for the investor. Um, I'm sure there's some people listening to us right now that will go, uh, who is, who are investors who have a good system in place and they manage to get um, more better returns. I, I don't know, they, they negotiate better, they negotiate harder, you know, and they they protect their their interests to the best of their ability. And those opportunities are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, our platform's there to do a fair deal. And um, that's why we're so transparent with all the information with both yeah. parties. Yeah, so, you know, with the, with that, like if you, have you ever had to bring in like farm management companies or anything else like that to get in the middle of it to help the investors feel more comfortable that the decisions about the land being that are being made, that everybody's comfortable? Do the farm managers ever get involved in these transactions? That, that's a good question. Uh, we've had a couple of times where we refer referred folks to farm managers. I don't think they ever hired them. Mm-hmm. Um, these, a lot of the first time farmland investors that we're working with, you know, they're, uh, they're entering into a cash rent situation, you know, yep. it's a payment at the beginning of the year. And, um, by, by the time all this is done, they have each other's names and phone numbers and they've talked and got to know each other a little bit. And we try to provide some of that story up front yep. uh, about the farmer and, it's a pretty simple relationship, right? You know, hey, you get mid-year, hey, how the planting go, how spraying going, how's your emergence looking, you know, those types of conversations. And then at the end of the season, you don't, you know, none of us talk to our farming friends at the end of the season, they start harvesting and that that's, uh, you know, just static for like a month and a half, depending on what they're doing. And uh, they come out of it and kind of report how life is to their investor. And yeah, I'll talk to you next year. Or, you know, looks good. and. Not a whole lot to manage. Uh, so our, our leases, we we do encourage that um, the, the farmer agree to some good husbandry practices, soil, you know, fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of bring that uh, to bear just to make sure that long term, you know, the, the, in writing, everybody's being held accountable for the care of that farm. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's in there. So there's uh, every couple of years, depending on how it gets negotiated in the final lease, but every couple of years, you'll have some, you know, uh, fertility testing done on a grid and mm-hmm. make sure that the soil is as good today as it was when the deal happened. And, um, but again, mi- minimal management. Um, we, we've seen a couple of flex leases. Uh, I think the flex leases had uh, a farm manager involved. 
when that finally happened. Uh, and so, you know, just needed somebody in there from an accountability st- standpoint to understand markets a little bit and make sure that uh, there was high level of trust on harvest and then the, you know, the final sale of the crop and all that stuff. Yeah. So have you been, uh, have you been around long enough to see some of these lease buybacks actually get bought back by the farmer or are most of your contracts still in the lease period? Still in lease period. We've had that one. So the, mm-hmm. the big success story with that full cycle uh, was that, that one, all of them, mm-hmm. all the others are still in the lease period. Yes, I find this really fascinating, Peter, because the investors that are coming to the table don't have interest in long-term ownership of the assets they're investing in. They really want to see that turn back over. So I think that that's a really interesting uh, collection of people who don't want to buy it to own it. They they want to buy it to have it bought back, which I think is really cool. I, I think so too. Uh, it's a di- it's a dynamic that I think has actually been in the market farmland markets for a while. It, it will be interesting to see. Like, look when we talk again another couple, you know, another year or two years, mm-hmm. three years to see how many of those buybacks were were executed on. Um, you know, though, depending on who's involved in that decision making process, the buybacks have all sorts of different structures to them, and um, some of them are complicated, and some of them are very easy. Yeah. Uh, but they're in there. I, one of the interesting dynamics that I was not expecting or is part of the conversation that we have all the time as a platform, whether they're experienced or inexperienced in the farmland space is about the lease term, right? So traditionally right now, I would say it seems like the majority of the farmland rent agreements, a lot of them are still just a handshake. Mm-hmm. They shake a hand, farmer cuts the check, I'll talk to you at the end of the season and we'll do it again, right? There's uh, a lot of these Midwest states have laws specifically written around the fact that that's how the agreements just happen. So they needed to have laws to protect the farmer for, for their inputs and the crop, right? And all that type of stuff. So using our understanding of real estate and, and kind of coaching both the, the investor and the farmer through how the, the lease term protects them. Mm-hmm is it does protect both of them and thinking through this. And, uh, you know, we have some investors that are shrewd and they want to ask for a, you know, a three year term or less, mm-hmm. right? They think they're best protected as a business person by having that short term lease, you know, and, uh, but conversely, we have some investors that have come on our platform and have said, I don't understand. Uh, you know, if I buy a, if I'm an investor in commercial real estate, I'll buy a, um, I'll do essentially a sale lease back with a Walgreens and I've got a 15 to 30 year lease. Why doesn't the farmer want to do that? I think maybe because nobody's asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so um, having the chance to be that voice in the marketplace, you know, for the farmer goes, well, can I do it? How long's the term? I mean, average right now is probably about five years mm-hmm. uh, on our platform, but you know, do you want longer? Well, yeah, well, longer would be good. Okay how long are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk through this. Like what are, what are, look, what are these mechanisms? What are the levers that we can put in the agreement and offer to the investors? Uh, that's, that's gotta be one of my favorite parts of the role that I get to have is helping our people and helping the farmers kind yeah. of understand those dynamics. So let's talk about deal size just a little bit for farmers or investors that are listening to this, like yeah. how small have yeah. you seen them be? And let's talk about the big one. What, what was the biggest that you've seen so far? Yeah, um, man, 
great. Uh, let me see if I even want to share. The uh, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I actually try to avoid numbers a little bit, but I think I can share some of this. So the smallest transaction from a dollar standpoint was you can do acres too if you want to. Like, well, that, that's fine too. Well, I'll do I'll do dollars because depending on the state, right? We get into various states like Iowa, Illinois, Indiana. Uh, large per acre values, yep. um, especially if the soil quality is there and the rent prices converse, you know, are much, yep. much, much higher. Um, so we, we've had a couple of farms trade that were in the 200s, 300s. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we've got some in the pipeline that are going to be in the 300 to half million dollar range that our team's working on right now, all the way up to uh, almost 11 million in, in deal size. And in full disclosure, as I'm sharing that with you, uh, we haven't transacted on all those sizes, but those have been opportunities that we've seen, yeah. um, you know, come to our platform. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? Do they just call you? Do they go to the website? <laughs> like what's the, what's the process? Anybody that's close to me listening to this right now says, don't call him. He'll never call you back. Um, <laughs> I which is uh, just me being just confessing. Uh, so farmlandfinder.com is our website. Uh, I love emails, Peter at farmlandfinder.com, our uh, real estate desk. Uh, do you put phone numbers on podcasts? Yes, we're going to put it. So everything that you're saying right now, we're going to put that in show notes. So for anybody who's listening, just click at the bottom of your podcast, click show notes. And all of that's going to be right there. So then you don't even have to do any work. You just click on it and you can call Peter. Perfect. Even though he won't call you back. He's already admitted to this. No, that's that's me trying to set expectations. <laughs> so if I get back to you within 24 hours, you're you're good with it. Uh, so yeah, Peter at farmlandfinder.com's email. Uh, and and uh, our real estate desk is 515-219-4546. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope the hope is when you go to our website, uh, as you click around, whether you're a farmer or whether you're an investor, that there's a lot of resources there. If anything, it starts sending you down um, a path of learning. And um, we we believe that knowledge comes through better questions. And so, you know, um, hopefully good questions come out of what you read and then we're there to help mm -hmm. answer them. So as we wrap up today, is there anything else that you want to tell everybody about this amazing technology because there's stuff like this that's out there, but there's nothing out there exactly like this. So what, is there anything else that we ought to let people know before we wrap up for the day? I feel like it's, 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 it's funny because your, your company is complicated, but it's not that complicated. So I just don't want to miss any nuance that we should have talked about. Well, and I appreciate that Re real estate, as we see all these, I mean, there's, billions of dollars being invested in the real estate world, not just the farmland space, but at large, right? It's a, it's a really nuanced uh, investment class in particular, right? Um, we talked about before kind of navigating the, the transaction from, you know, agreement of the economics, the, the purchase price and the lease. And then you've got title companies, you have insurance companies, you have legal, you know, legal expertise, you have a closing agent, accounting, like, there's, there's a lot of stakeholders uh, mm -hmm. in the process still. Uh, so yeah, it is nuanced. It's, what do I, that was a good question. I feel like we've been pretty comprehensive in our, in our conversation. 
I think my closing statement would be, uh, I look forward to some critical thinking. So I hope we get some feedback uh, from our conversation arena and, and good questions. And even, like I said, critical, uh, I love uh, critical thinking and people that disagree with me. I'm, I'm always in, uh, I'm always in for a good argument uh, about uh, what we're doing. And uh, I think that is a really important point though, is that your company is in development yeah. and that you, um, you know, you have won some innovation awards and yes. are, are, you know, on the precipice of another big growth where you're investing in technology and building that platform out. So, you know, I, I think that is really cool that you seek input from those who are using it about how the platform can better serve them, be more comprehensive, um, be a better tool. So I feel like that is a really important statement that you just made is that you're you're not a one and done, like it's never going to change. What you see is what you get. You guys are actively seeking, how do we build this to be the right tool for the people that use it? So I think that's a really important statement that you just made. I appreciate that. I, I can say this um, very wholeheartedly. I work with a team of entrepreneurs and uh, every, every one of our developers, the data people, um, I mean, the founder, Steven, uh, our uh, chief of staff, uh, everybody, we're, uh, we're all entrepreneurs at heart. So at the end of the day, if we're not listening to the market that we're serving and we care about, uh, genuinely care about, um, that would be a mistake on our part. So yeah. Yeah, that's definitely part of our ethos. Yeah. So I want to end this conversation with a fun fact. Late on me. So I want you to tell me what is the coolest thing that you've learned about farming since you started this job a year and a half ago? What's your favorite farm learning? <laughs> we could go on for another hour, Rena, um, with that question. My favorite, can you say that one more time? The favorite thing that you've learned about farming, because you're not from a farming background, correct? Correct. No, oh. grew up in, yeah, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, if you can be a, a city kid in Des Moines, Iowa, that's, that's me. Um, okay, the favorite thing. Oh man. Okay. This is where my heart goes with this answer. Okay. When I, I was probably, let's say 25 calls in with farmers about what we were trying to do. I'm a real estate guy. I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. I'm an investment guy. Uh, almost everything. I, a lot of stuff I do in life. If it's not about my kids, that's, I'm just thinking through numbers and how to be a, a good business person. And I think about, uh, the farmer as a guy or a gal that gets up and they put on some overalls and they drive um, either a really pretty green vehicle to the office or a pretty red vehicle to the office. And uh, they're really busy at the beginning of the season and they're really busy at the end of the season. And I, what's the big deal? Uh, and then I got into understanding how resolute they have to be in their commitment because they they do the things that they have control over, put the crop in, take care of the crop to the best of their ability with their equipment, and, and of course they're going to harvest it. But there is uh, Mother Nature's got a different story for them every day, and we all kind of know about this, right? The part that blew my mind, so I'm setting it up for the biggest learning was okay, all that risk, all of that potential reward in the crop and you go, okay, great. So this, this farmer comes out of the ground and they've got all their bushels ready. 
how do you get paid for that? And I started to learn and hear from each farmer what their strategy is to market their grain. Um, sometimes they keep it as feed. Sometimes they sell some of it. But that that dynamic of of going, I, I take all this risk. I put my wallet on the ground. And if I'm lucky at the end of the season, I get to pick that thing back up and it'll still have a little bit left in it. That dynamic uh, has blown my mind and, and the, the amount of risk and effort, uh, the effort they put into that risk, right? And, 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 and the trust that they'll be able to sell, sell their corn, sell their beans um, at a price that allows them to do it again next year because they love it. Mm-hmm. That I, gives me a warm fuzzy as I understand that. I hung out with a farmer uh, a long time on Wednesday and listening to his journey and how he does what he does from his hog confinements to his row crop operation and the markets and his family dynamic and all that just that it's it's a big answer i just it i get a kick out of it and the fact that we get to hopefully serve some of them with what we're doing is a real pleasure yeah that's awesome what a great way to end this thank you peter for sharing that there's so many learnings that you get as you hang out with different farmers, different operations, different way of thinking, different value sets. So I always love finding out what what's one of the fun things people are learning from the people we get a privilege to work with every day. So that's that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. So for everybody who's listening, we're going to have Peter's contact information for you located in the show notes. Please do reach out to him. He's an amazing person to know, even if you don't do business with this company. But, you know, do check out farmlandfinder.com. And Peter, thank you again for being on the show. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Ray, it's a pleasure, mine. Good job with your podcast and appreciate it very much. Thank you. This is Rena Striggle, and you have been listening to Ag Inspo, the podcast. Please visit my website at tomorrowiscoming.com and find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspirational episode where you will hear from another amazing entrepreneur who has had the courage to break through and bring an idea to life.